Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Sarah. I say the podcast because we're in the middle of transitioning the name over to the Evolving Wellness Podcast. I am working on that cover art. It has to look right, so just hang in there with me. But I appreciate you for listening, and I am so thrilled for today's episode. I've been sitting on this episode for a number of weeks. I promised Dr. Palmer that I would not release the episode until his book came out, which is November 15th, and this episode's coming out November the 16th. So here we go. I am so passionate about this topic because if you know anything about me or my story, I was on several medications to manage my mental health from a very young age, from the age of 14. And I have been able to be off of all medications for a number of years. I did use the help of a medical professional along with ketogenic diet therapy to come off of these medications. So this episode is not medical advice. Please do work with a doctor, especially if you are attempting to come off of any medications. But I really wanna get this episode out to as many people as possible to give them a story of hope, to give them the story that this is possible, that you don't have to live with this crippling disability of mental health issues. It is a disability, it is hard. I've lived it myself and so again, I really, really want to share this episode with as many people as humanly possible. So I'll ask you as somebody listening to to think of a few people who might be struggling with this issue and share it with them because again, this could change someone's life tremendously. And I'm so grateful to Dr. Palmer for all the work that he has done. Before we jump into today's episode, I do want to quickly thank a couple sponsors. The first one is going to be Viva Rays. Now you can use my code YOGI to save 15% on those circadian glasses. One of the things I do to maintain my mental health is maintaining circadian rhythms and having a high quality pair of blue blocking glasses is a big part of that, especially in the winter time when the days are a lot shorter, nights are a lot longer. We wanna protect our eyes from artificial light. There are tons of scientific studies showing the correlation between mental health disorders and misaligned circadian rhythms. So again, use my code YOGI to save 15% over at Viva Rays. The second sponsor of today's episode is going to be Optimal Carnivore. I love their Brain Nourish product for really helping to support my brain. It is Beef Brain and Lion's Mane, which both have been proven in many scientific studies to improve brain health. So check them out. Use my code Carnivore uppercase Y. They also have an amazing organ meat supplement as well as a liver supplement. So. Thank you again for listening to today's episode, and let's go ahead and jump into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have a very special guest. We're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart and very personal. Uh, Dr. Chris Palmer, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and, and this is just what you're doing is so groundbreaking, and it's so exciting you are really talking about ketogenic therapy to help people with mental disorders, you know, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, beyond. We'll talk about some of those conditions, but that's really your your life's work, correct? It is. So I am I am kind of a traditional Harvard psychiatrist. I have been a psychiatrist for 27 years and uh, actually lead the education department at what's now the top-ranked psychiatric hospital in the country um, and educate mental health professionals on this. So mental health is near and dear to my heart. And I have done research, I do education, I treat patients, and most of the people that I see have treatment-resistant mental illnesses, meaning the pills aren't working for them. The psychotherapy isn't working for them. Even the shock th- therapy isn't wow. working for them. And uh, and they come to me hoping to find a better answer. That's, you know, and that's so common. I was kind of speaking with you briefly about that before I turned the recording on. You know, my own experience with mental health challenges being put on medications at a very young age at 14, um, it was also the 90s, you know, I'm dating myself a bit, but all the the Prozac and um, the ADHD meds and all that stuff was becoming very popular and it was seen as kind of a cure-all. So it's like, let's put her on all this stuff because we can't really manage 
everything. And it, it never really worked. And there was always like, let's add, sprinkle in a little Wellbutrin, let's sprinkle in a little bit of this and you add more and more things and you're doing the psychotherapy. And it's just so frustrating because you still feel like there's this cloud over you constantly, you know, and, uh, for me, finding a, a ketogenic approach and more of a carnivore style diet was the first time in my life that I felt like the cloud was gone, you know? Um, so this is essentially what you've been helping people with is to, to kind of look into more of a, a ketogenic approach with your work. It is. So the, um, you know, one thing I just want to say up front in response to you sharing your story is your story is not uncommon. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, oh, she just had a treatment resistant mental illness, or she must have been difficult, or maybe she wasn't trying hard enough in therapy, or yeah. maybe, maybe she's like one of those whiny, lazy people who just wanted attention and she wanted to be sick. Um, and those accusations are all too common. And I just want to put that out there. But let me say for the record that the majority of people who get treatment for mental health problems do not get fully better mm. with our current treatments. I'm not saying that to be mean to psychiatry or the mental health field. I'm not saying that because I, I don't think mental illnesses are real. And I'm not saying it because I don't, because I'm, I'm trying to trash every treatment that we have and say they don't work for anybody because I think they do work for some people and that's great for them. But if you look at the studies that have been done and we have decades and decades of research on this, more than 50% of people who get treatment for a mental health problem do not fully get better. And if you, if you question that, you know, mental illnesses are now the leading cause of disability on the planet. Yes. And depression, depression, plain old depression that we have all these antidepressants for mm -hmm. is the number one cause of disability on the planet. And it's not because people aren't getting treatment. It's because our treatments fail to work for far too many people. So I just want to first and foremost say, Sarah, you are not alone. You are joined by hundreds of millions of other people who are just as frustrated, who are just as frustrated with like, I'm doing everything they're asking me to do and I'm not getting better. So my claim to fame over the last like six years or so has been using the ketogenic diet as a treatment for mental illness, because you're not alone. I have talked to hundreds of other patients, providers, researchers. This is not an unusual thing. This is not a fluke. You're not a rare person who has been able to put your mental illness into full and complete remission, get off your medications and go on with your life. Mm -hmm. um, I think the bigger thing that I'm really hopeful about, though, is that I have done an extraordinarily deep dive into the science of all of this mm. to help us better understand mental illness and come up with more effective treatments like changes in diet. I think that's so important because, you know, of all the doctors and I, I, I saw some great people, some really wonderful people, psychotherapists, psychiatrists, you know, very kind people, well-meaning that really did want to, I think, genuinely help me. Uh, diet was absolutely never mentioned. Now, no. uh, alcohol was mentioned. <laughs> this one thing, you, you probably don't want to be drinking if you have these issues going on and mixing it with your medication. But that's also very common um, that people will just get to the point where they self-medicate, which I, I personally did. A lot of my viewers know I have a history of alcohol abuse and have been completely alcohol-free for a number of years now and, and utilize re recovery. Yes, it's it's vital for me to, to keep my foot into the, the door of recovery. Um, but the, the, the diet part, you just don't talk about it, you know? Do you think there's a reason why these professionals just don't even uncover this, this idea? 
I mean, so the first, first and foremost is because it's not taught to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. It's not taught in schools. It's not taught in psychology classes or psychiatry classes or medical school or residency training or anywhere. So this is in some ways groundbreaking and new. The really, the really good news in my mind is that you know, you know, as I said, I am a traditional psychiatrist. I've done research. I'm at one of the leading psychiatric hospitals really in the world. Um, and so I know the mental health field. I know the neuroscience field. And right now the neuroscience and the mental health field say no one knows what causes mental illness. Mm-hmm. All we all we know are these risk factors or these different factors that are involved. Things like neurotransmitters, genetics, hormones, stress, trauma. But nobody knows how they all fit together. And everybody assumes, well, these are brain things. These are mm-hmm. these are clearly the symptoms are coming from your brain. It's a brain disorder. That doesn't have anything to do with your diet. That doesn't have anything to do with your digestive tract. It doesn't have anything to do with junk food. So why the hell would anybody be talking about a diet? These are serious brain disorders that ruin people's lives, that cause tremendous mm-hmm. suffering. And, um, and so we need to figure out the brain and the brain is really complicated and that's just all there is to it. Nobody can figure it out right now. And uh, you know the best minds are on it the smartest people in the world are on it and they can't figure it out. So don't talk to us about diet. You just sound like a quack. You don't know (laughs) what you're talking about. And that's what a lot of those people are gonna say to me, I already know, but I'm here to tell you, if you actually wanna understand how all of those factors fit together, how can we put together and make sense of neurotransmitter imbalances or dysfunction, hormone changes, genetics and epigenetics, inflammation, stress, trauma, drug and alcohol use? How can we put that all together and make sense of it? You actually have to go to this thing that we call metabolism. And I am arguing that mental disorders are metabolic disorders of the brain Mm. and that, and that mental disorders basically represent people's brains doing something that they're not supposed to do. They're kind of malfunctioning. They're doing something they're not supposed to do, or they're failing to work in the right ways when they should be working. Like if, if you forget something or you can't remember or you can't concentrate, your brain should be able to do that. But for some people, it's just not able to. And in order to understand what would cause the brain to malfunction in those ways, I am arguing based on decades and decades of science that you have to understand metabolism. And in order to understand metabolism, you have to understand these tiny little things in most of our cells called mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And once you and once you put all of that together, once you put all of the science together and do a deep dive into it, you can actually make sense of mental illness and you can understand all of the connections between things like neurotransmitters, hormones, genetics, trauma, stress, sleep, inflammation. It's the only way you can understand how all of those things connect. But much, much, much more importantly, new treatments become obvious. And those new treatments include things like the ketogenic diet (laughs) or the carnivore diet or yoga or stress reduction or lots of other or managing substance use. All of those things are going to play a role in treatment. And, you know, just in regards to the ketogenic diet and mitochondrial health, you know, when we are on a ketogenic diet, our mitochondria actually make four times more ATP, right? We make more metabolic water. And (laughs) so it's very, very supportive to the mitochondria for us to follow a ketogenic diet. Would you say? It is. I, I, so I don't think that everybody has to be on a ketogenic diet. 
And, you know, is I think as you and I were talking about earlier, if you're pregnant, you might yeah. not want to be on a ketogenic diet yeah. because you're, you're trying to grow another human being. And that right. human being is sucking resources <laughs> from you, sucking energy, including some carbohydrates from you. Yeah. And you need to be eating enough to provide all of those nutrients. But what I will say is that for people, especially for people who are having mental or neurological symptoms, whether it's anxiety or depression or addiction mm -hmm. um, or something more serious like bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, those represent your brain malfunctioning. And we know that we know that metabolic problems are playing a primary role in that malfunction. And what that means is that the mitochondria, on average, for most illness states, the mitochondria aren't producing enough energy. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be because they have trouble using glucose as an energy source. And so when you go into a state of ketosis, glucose is still available because we all make glucose in our livers through gluconeogenesis. Mm -hmm. So your body will, you don't have to eat the glucose, your body will make some glucose so that it's always, mm -hmm. there's always a little bit available for any cells that might want it or need it. But you're providing this alternate source of fuel, ketones and also fatty acids and other things. But for the brain, it's mostly ketones. And the brain can use ketones and those mitochondria can use ketones even when they have trouble using glucose as an energy source. And what that means is that you can take a brain that is somewhat energy deprived. Yes or brain regions that are somewhat energy deprived. And so they're not functioning properly and you can get them running on all cylinders. You can get them fully functioning. And when people's brains are running on all cylinders, they feel good, they feel balanced, they feel healthy, um, they're able to think clearly, they have motivation and confidence and energy. And, uh, and their brains aren't doing unusual things that they're not supposed to be doing. Right. I agree. And that was the thing that, you know, that's why I tried, I tried carnivore because I thought, you know, I had a lot of IBS issues, a lot of gut issues, which I know go along with, um, issues with the brain, kind of the brain being a little bit more on fire. And that's why I tried carnivores. My doctor said, you have IBS and not much I can do for you. Eat more fiber. And I was like, I'm going to do the opposite, <laughs> <laughs> which ended up working out great for me. But yeah. it was the end of that 30 days. Not only did I have a nice flat stomach and no more digestive woes, but the mental clarity, the, the feeling that the calmness I felt in my brain at the end of that 30 days was like nothing I had ever gotten from any antidepressant, anti-anxiety med, nothing had ever been able to give me that, just that, that kind of calm feeling. And, uh, you know, a lot of kind of, uh, I guess people opposed to ketogenic therapy will say, it's just the excess cortisol that's making you feel better. It's the steroid uh, cortisol. Oh yeah, I get that. I have a lot of people say that. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't, no. I don't, I don't think they understand cortisol and I don't think they understand human physiology and they certainly don't understand neuroscience. Those people have a lot of learning to do. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Orange juice is not the answer, my friends. No. <laughs> no, no, especially if you have this brain on fire kind of situation. So, yeah. So you're see, I mean, but you're not seeing just like depression. You're seeing more severe cases. Like I don't know if you've met um, Emily Penton. Um, she's a good friend of mine. Had uh, MS and bipolar. Severe. Wow. Yeah, severe. And she's been in remission since 2019. Awesome. Um, and off of all of her meds when she was on a ton of medication. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some, some great people in, in this community that 
can be these shining examples that this type of, of thing can work. But what you're doing is not just giving anecdotal evidence. You're saying, here's the actual science behind why this works, right? So, uh, yeah. So for the last six years, I've been actually working on two things. So one is I'm not sticking with anecdotes. So we have, so I have published case reports in the medical literature. So for any of your viewers who get this kind of, you know, scoffed, you know, kind of uh, response of, you know, oh, the, that you're just an anecdote. Yes. You don't matter. I'm going to say, no, no, no. You are an example of an evidence-based treatment. That's what you are. You are. So number one, the ketogenic diet is an evidence-based treatment for epilepsy. It stops seizures even when medications fail to. We have decades of neuroscience literature telling us exactly how and why this diet can stop seizures. It turns out that we use epilepsy treatments in psychiatry all the time in tens of millions of mm -hmm. people. Things like Depakote, Tegretol, Lamictal, Topamax, oh, yeah. Gabapentin or Neurontin, Valium, Clonopin, Xanax, all of those are anti-seizure treatments. So the ketogenic diet can stop seizures even when those pills fail to, and we use those pills and those treatments in psychiatric patients every day in tens of millions of people. So it is not at all far-fetched to be mm -hmm. thinking about using the ketogenic diet for mental illness, including serious mental illness. That's number one. So you're, nobody's an anecdote. You're using an evidence-based epilepsy treatment for your mental state. That's what you're doing. And so we've published lots of case reports. I have published science reviews in high impact neuroscience journals and psychiatry journals talking about the science of why this should be taken seriously. And we actually have at least five controlled trials underway now of the ketogenic diet for serious mental illness, including bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. There are other trials for ketogenic diet for depression, ketogenic diet for PTSD, ketogenic diet for alcoholism though. Wow. So the alcoholism one actually was done by the, the national government, the national Institute of alcohol abuse and alcoholism. I can tell wow. you more about that if you want, but yeah, it, it really worked. So we've got all of that evidence base, but the thing that I've been focused on, in addition to trying to move a lot of that work forward and play a part in all of that, the other thing that I've been focused on is trying to understand like how, how can I sell this to mainstream mental health? How can I mm -hmm. convince them to take this seriously? And so I have done a much deeper dive into the science to try to understand how and why would a diet or a change in diet play such a powerful role in something that most people consider permanent lifelong brain disorders. Yes. And, and that's where I've done all of this work on the science that I believe leads to the conclusion that mental disorders are metabolic disorders of the brain. And once you understand that, I think that I'm hopeful that 10 years from now, dietary interventions will be offered to every patient with a mental health condition. And that at some point it may actually become malpractice to not talk about a dietary intervention, just like it would almost be malpractice to see somebody have a heart attack and not at least talk about diet with that person mm -hmm. or not at least talk about smoking with that person mm -hmm. that, that we, you know, heart attacks are a metabolic disorder as well. Yes. And what I'm saying is that mental disorders are metabolic disorders. They just happen to be affecting the brain instead of the heart. I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, I, the, the thing I'd love to hear more about the alcoholism because, you know, just being in recovery 
and I've had this conversation with other guests before that are more involved in, in the alcoholism, drug abuse space. When you go to recovery meetings, what do they have available for you? Donuts and coffee, right? And when I first got into recovery for alcohol abuse, I gained 30 pounds because I switched straight from alcohol to sugar. You know, yeah. it's like a quick 30 pound weight gain. Some people lose weight in recovery. I gained weight um, just because I switched right into the sugar and my depression and anxiety, those first two years in recovery were horrific um, because it was this sugar, you know, it was constantly, that was what I was just eating all the time because I was trying to cope with not having alcohol, my best friend anymore. Thank you again so much for listening to today's episode. I'm here with my little co-host, James, as we record this. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. And again, enjoying the episode with Dr. Palmer. Quick little reminder to jump down into the show notes, get his book, and again, share this episode out with anybody who you feel could be helped who may be struggling with mental health issues and they're just at the end of their rope. There is always hope. So please, again, let's get this episode out far and wide and spread this message. I appreciate you for listening. If you do enjoy the show, head on over to Apple or Spotify. Leave me up to a five-star review. It will help to get the show out along with sharing it via text, social media, anywhere that you can. I am just eternally grateful for your support. (laughs) And so is James. (laughs) Little baby noises here in the background. One more shout out to one more sponsor, Upgraded Formulas. Now, did you know that having excess copper can actually lead to mental health issues? This is something I have just recently learned after speaking with Dr. Leland Stillman, who is what I consider a functional medicine mineral expert. But copper excess is a huge problem for many, many people and can lead to depression, anxiety, and it is balanced out with zinc. So some people have the opposite problem. They have low copper and high zinc, which will actually affect the immune system, believe it or not. So checking in on those minerals, getting a hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation could be hugely helpful. Again, a lot of people have either high copper, low zinc, that can lead to mental health issues, but high zinc and low copper leads to immune system issues frequent illnesses use my code yogi12 or yogi to save on that hair tissue mineral analysis and let's go ahead and jump back into the show and uh again that was again part of doing that ketogenic switch you know four years ago was like oh my gosh this depression it has lifted off of me and so i would love to hear kind of what you've discovered in that arena as well so yeah and this this doesn't so I've seen it anecdotally in, in, you know, in other people, in myself, when I'm in ketosis or even when I'm just low carb. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, the, the lead studies actually come from um, a woman named Nora Volkow, who is the director of the National Institute of Drug Abuse. She is a world-renowned neuroscientist and researcher. Um, she is like a powerhouse in the addiction field. And she and others have been doing research on alcoholism you know, for decades. And what they've found is that certain brain regions are actually metabolically compromised. They're, mm. not, they're not getting enough energy from glucose And when alcoholics drink alcohol, the alcohol actually gets turned into a molecule called acetate, which serves as a fuel source to those exact brain cells. And it helps those people feel better. So when they drink alcohol, their brain starts firing on all cylinders. Exactly. That's exactly how it felt. (laughs) And when they don't drink alcohol, their brain is not firing on all cylinders. And so they're craving it and they want to feel better. They want to feel normal. And so they keep going to alcohol. So she and all of these researchers knew that and they've been doing these animal studies. Um, 
they quickly figured out, well, maybe instead of alcohol as a fuel source, we could find another fuel source that might replace the acetate from alcohol. And they turned to the ketogenic diet thinking, I wonder, they were wondering like, will ketones be an adequate fuel source for these brain cells that are struggling? So they actually recruited a group of patients with alcoholism to the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism kind of research center. They went in basically for a detox. Half of them got the standard American diet and the other half got the ketogenic diet. And then they all got detox normal protocols and they got brain scans and blood tests and all sorts of other things. The people who got the ketogenic diet needed fewer benzos for their detox taper. Mm. Despite getting less detox medicine, they had fewer withdrawal symptoms. They had fewer cravings for alcohol. And importantly, the brain scans showed that these brain regions that were normally energy deprived were actually functioning better. Wow. And their brain inflammation decreased with the ketogenic diet. The people who are getting the standard American diet didn't have any of these changes. Wow. And so, so they discovered that the ketogenic diet might end up being a really powerful way to help some people overcome addiction. Um, and, uh, and we'll see. I mean, they're going to want to do larger controlled trials. They're going to want to do trials not on an inpatient unit, but out in the community. Um, and, and I will just say one caution about that research. So anybody who's done keto probably already knows this. If you do drink alcohol, it hits you a lot oh, harder. Yeah. Oh, hits yeah. you a lot harder <laughs> than if you're not in ketosis. Mm -hmm. And these researchers found exactly that in the rats. They, they tested rats. They had half of them on a standard diet and half of them on a keto diet and then gave them a dose of alcohol. The rats on the ketogenic diet had a five-fold increase in their alcohol levels. Ooh, wow. And when they were in ketosis. So what that means is that if you are somebody who is struggling with alcohol use disorder and you want to overcome your alcoholism, the ketogenic diet might be a really powerful tool to give you more of an edge, to give you more of an advantage. Yeah. But it comes with this caveat. If you relapse while you're in ketosis, you could get a lot more drunk than you've ever been. Yep. So, so don't think, so you just need to know that number one, do not be getting behind the wheel of a car. Like, even if you think like, oh, I can have two drinks and I'm fine to drive. Two drinks might turn into four drinks or six drinks on the keto diet. Mm -hmm. So you may still only have two drinks, but your blood alcohol might be the equivalent of having six drinks for you. Wow. In which case you're not okay to drive, in which case you shouldn't be doing that. So I just want to put that caution out, not because I'm anti-keto, not because I'm saying keto is dangerous, <laughs> but what I'm saying is keto is powerful and alcohol is also powerful. And when you combine the two, you kind of need to know what you're doing. Agreed. And, you know, I'm still a big proponent of uh, finding a recovery group that you can talk to, you need that, that, that support that in person, you know, even if you've got the keto diet and you're getting that support for your brain, I think, uh, on that emotional level, you still need people that are in Absolutely. your corner going through what you're going through. So I don't think the keto diet is a substitution for that component, but just, I've seen it for myself be like, yeah, it's a big advantage. It's a big edge. And again, talking with people in recovery, even people who have 20, 30 years, some of them have a major sugar addiction. And it's been 
kind of cool in my little recovery family, I've influenced a lot of people in my, in my group to go towards more of not even a keto, but low carb approach, getting off the sugar and the things that people have reported back to me in my group have been awesome. You know, they're feeling better, obviously losing weight, but it's the, it's the mental benefits. I think that people, um, get the most out of over just even the weight loss part for me, the weight loss part is like great, but when you've had a mental issue, whether it's depression, alcoholism, any of those things, weight becomes secondary weight becomes one of those things. that's like great. If it works out awesome. It's like a secondary benefit. But if I could just not feel like a crazy person and emotional and all over the place to not have any control over my emotions, that would be the number one thing I think that people can really get from this type of approach. I 100% agree. And I have talked to so many people who have said that. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people are like, you know, oh, nobody can do the keto diet and sustain it. It's not a sustainable diet. Well, I think for people who maybe don't have mental health issues, maybe it ends up not being sustainable for them because number one, they're not getting these tremendous life-changing benefits. And number two, they're still exposed to addiction, the sugar and all the peer pressure and family pressure of, you know, oh, you got to eat. It's Thanksgiving. It's a holiday. It's whatever you got to eat. And then they give in and then they just get hooked again. Mm -hmm. But for people who have struggled with mental health issues, and there are hundreds of millions of mm-hmm. people. There's actually, in, before the pandemic, there was about a 1 billion people on the planet who had a mental health issue. And since the pandemic, numbers have gone up. So wow. you're, not, you're not alone. And for those people, I've talked to so many people who say exactly what you just said. Like losing weight was nice, but that was, that was just icing on the cake. Like the cake yep. was the cake was like, Oh my God, I have my life back and my yep. brain back and I feel good. And I feel normal. Like this is, this is a miracle. This is nothing yep. short of a miracle. Yeah. And just to the sustainability part, I'd love to hear kind of scientifically what you found, because for me, I did do strict uh, carnivore for about two years, very strictly. And then in 2021, I kind of started, you know, let me just add in a little vegetable here and there. Let me take a day out of ketosis every now and then and cycle back in. So I started in 2021 doing more like food reintroductions, which went just fine. And then doing days where I would lit on purpose cycle out of ketosis and then cycle back in the next day. And that may not work for people. I'll just throw that out there. If you have a very addictive personality, that one cycle day out could throw you off completely. So don't mess with it. But I had gotten to a place with my mental health and my physical health where the one day out of ketosis didn't turn into 20 days out of ketosis. It was the one day and then I'm back in because I know I'm going to feel my best that way. Um, but I was able to keep those mental health benefits. And then my pregnancy has been, has not been high carb. Um, it's been low carb for, except first trimester. There was like the potato, uh, <laughs> there was a potato thing that happened. Um, <laughs> this is so nauseous. I just, oh. it was a potato thing. Um, but second <laughs> trimester we're you know, back to like a really probably under, a hundred or under 60 grams of carbs per day, no issues. Um, But I have not slipped back into depressive episodes, feeling that I need to be put back on medications. And so I'm wondering if you have seen anything or studied anything about people that maybe have a strict period of adherence, and then they can kind of have a little bit more flexibility, maybe go a little bit more low carb, um, and practice ketosis if they're feeling inflamed or just need, you know, needing kind of like a reset, what you've seen uh, scientifically with that sort of approach. It's a great question. And the, you know, the, the easiest place to start is with the epilepsy literature. Cause again, mm-hmm. I'm a psychiatrist and we use epilepsy treatments all the time. So in the epilepsy field, when they use the ketogenic diet for seizures, they usually tell people this probably is not going to need to be a lifelong diet for you. Mm. They usually tell people two to five years. 
We want you to be on this diet for two to five years. And then we're actually going to encourage you to try to transition off the diet to see how you do. More than 50% of people are able to transition off the ketogenic diet and maintain the same benefits that they got. And what we think is happening in the brain in particular, but actually throughout the body, is that the ketogenic diet induces two kind of scientific processes. One's called mitophagy and the other is called mitochondrial biogenesis. And so both of them relate to these things called mitochondria. And what the first one, mitophagy, means that it kind of gets rid of old or defective mitochondria and replaces them with new ones. And mitochondrial biogenesis means that your cells actually start producing more mitochondria. So that at the end, so if you do keto or carnivore for two years, most of your cells will actually have more mitochondria than they did to begin with. And those mitochondria will be healthier. Mm. And we think that that is probably the critical element in improving health. So that, you know, you've gone through your kind of metabolic reset or mitochondrial reset or reboot or whatever we want to call it. And so your cells are actually much, much healthier than they were before you started any of the diet. And, and that means that your cells can handle carbohydrates sometimes. Your mm -hmm. cells can handle those things. Now, if you started eating tons of junk food, that we know is really bad for mitochondria. So fructo high fructose corn syrup is not good for your mm -hmm. mitochondria, causes inflammation. Causes all if you started eating a lot of junk food and at the same time you were highly stressed, you probably would start slipping back into depression. Mm -hmm. And that would be your cue to like, okay, stop doing whatever I'm doing. Get back on the bandwagon. Um, let's do another reset or reboot. Get back onto a low carb or carnivore or whatever diet and, um, and start feeling better. And, but yeah, so your experience actually is not unusual. And I think it's in many ways, it's the ideal. I will say that I have met some people, even people with epilepsy who aren't able to stop the diet. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, when they ever, almost every time that they try to stop the diet, their symptoms come back and sometimes come back with a vengeance. Yep. And so, so I think that there are some people who need the diet long-term and maybe even for life. Give one example. We know that some people can have rare genetic defects that, mm -hmm. that impair their ability to use glucose as a fuel source. And so those people, you know, the diet's not going to fix that genetic defect. So those people right. might, might need the diet for life. But it's certainly better than living a life of disability and a life yeah. of, you know, crippling symptoms. Yeah, there's a, a uh, my daughter who's 14, she has pretty severe autism. And so we have her, um, she started exhibiting some signs of seizures, uh, the absent seizures. And so we just put her right on keto and cleared it right up. Um, wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So I, I'm a believer in that. We have a doctor friend who's down in, in Jacksonville, Florida, who works specifically with kids on the spectrum. And her daughter has horrible seizure disorder. And she did a, a presentation for us, I mean, years ago um, about puberty and autism, because that's typically when it shows up with the autistic kids is puberty. And she, her daughter, she put her daughter on keto. And to this day, if her daughter gets a hold of a French fry, one French fry, she'll go into a seizure. Wow. Um, but as long as she keeps her away from the carbohydrates, no seizures, which is just remarkable and amazing because when you, when you have a child that is having seizures, it is terrifying. Um, okay. some of the kids that I see, you know, just being involved in the autism community it is it's horrible. They have to go to the hospital. Um, some of these kids are very big. And so the parents are trying to help them on the floor and it's, it's, it's just terrifying. And so, um, if this is a, a thing that we can do 
diet wise for our kids rather than have them on multiple medications. And then the thing with the medications is if they gain a little bit of weight, you know, have a hormonal change, you got to adjust the dose or you're, you call the paramedics. And so <clears throat> I think it's, it's an underutilized thing. Um, even in this day and age, even though it's been proven to help epilepsy, I think a lot of people are still kind of hesitant to, to look at it as a treatment mechanism. They are. And very, yeah. very tragically, a lot of neurologists. Oh, they don't other, even recommend it. <laughs> they don't recommend it. And yeah. I think that is criminal because we too. have, we have two, for those who are wondering how much evidence is there, you know, we have two Cochrane reviews. So these are like the ultimate gold standard analysis of all of the research that's been done in the medical field. And we have two of them saying that the ketogenic diet for treatment resistant epilepsy is far, far superior, at least in children and adolescents. The adults, the literature is less clear because adults have trouble doing the diet, at least Compliance. under researchers, yeah. at least under researchers, uh, instruction. Um, but, uh, but for the children and adolescents, your likelihood of becoming seizure free as, a, as compared to just trying yet another pill, three times more likely to get seizure freedom, six times more likely to have significant improvement in your seizures compared with trying yet another pill. And so I think it's unconscionable that people with treatment resistant aren't offered the ketogenic and actually aren't strongly encouraged yeah. to try the ketogenic diet. Yeah, I think in the autism community here where I live, none of the neurologists even mention it, which is even the, the best ones of like, this, this is the great one, you've got to get in on him, he's got the wait list never even gets mentioned at all. Um, that is a shame. it's a, it's a, it's a crime, honestly, because like I said, with my daughter, we were going to undergo all these tests and put her through a bunch of stuff. And I said, let's just do, let's just do this first. And it, it was gone. You know, she stopped doing the blank stares and stopped having the little episodes. And I mean, why not, why not do it? Um, so yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And uh, one other thing I'd love to ask you about, you know, this, this study that came out in uh, July, 2022, I guess, about serotonin and, yes. <laughs> and depression. Can we, I would love to hear your thoughts on, on, on this whole debacle. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting because that, so I cover this in my book and I had written all of the book before that article came out. So wow. in many, in many ways, it's nice that it's, you know, it's getting Validating. Too much <laughs> press, but, um, but to any really good neuroscientist or psychiatrist, you know, that article that came out was a, simply a review of all of the research that's been published over the last 30 years. And so it was, it was actually nothing new. It was a review article, just reviewing already published literature. And so any good, decent psychiatrist or neuroscientist should have already been aware of the fact that there is no serotonin imbalance in the brain that is associated with depression or anxiety. Researchers have looked for decades for this imbalance and it doesn't exist. Now that doesn't mean that SSRIs like Prozac or Zoloft, it doesn't mean that those medications don't work, but what it means is that it's not due to an imbalance mm -hmm. and uh, that they're working through some other mechanism. And I actually get into very concrete details about that mechanism and I, I, we have an abundance of proof already. It's, so this is not speculation, but SSRIs for some people can improve mitochondrial function and can oh. improve metabolism. Can, they can actually improve brain metabolism in some people. 
I think in some people they can dysregulate it and make it yeah. worse. Yeah. I <laughs> so, think so too. Yeah. I think they're a mixed bag. So I'm not here. I'm not here to say that they don't work for anyone because I think they do work for some people. And if you're one of those people that they're working for, that's great. I'm not here to stand in your way or interfere with your access to an effective treatment. But again, the research studies tell us, I'm not being anti-psychiatry by saying this, this is the research. The research studies tell us those medications fail to work for far too many people, actually for more than 50% of the people. Wow. In one study, they failed to control symptoms in 90% of depressed patients. Um, so, uh, so the bottom line is mental disorders are not due to a chemical imbalance. Instead, I am strongly arguing that mental disorders are due to a metabolic problem, which you could maybe call an energy imbalance in brain cells. Yeah, I, I think that you're spot on with that. And so I think anyone listening, because I have, um, I just, I talk with a lot of people, you know, being online and having my profile. I'm not one of these people that just wants to throw out information and run away. I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people all over the world. And I do talk with some people who say, you know, these medications do help me. Uh, I would be dead without them. Um, so I don't want to ever throw out those people, what they're saying and, and invalidate what they're saying. Um, so some things might be helpful for someone, but I feel that we need to look deeper than, than just the medications and say, okay, I'm glad this is helping you. Thank God. Thank God you're, you're able to have something that helps you. It never was able to really help me. Uh, but let's take this a little bit deeper. What if we could give you more of an edge? What if we could bump this up a little bit and, and, and try some ketogenic therapy, right. In, in adjunct to what you're doing, and then maybe even tighter you down off of some of these medications. Do you think that's a fair thing that people could try? Yes. I, so I am 100% in support of that. And I, and I compare it to diabetes. Like if you can control your diabetes without medicine, through diet, a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet or lifestyle, other interventions, you know, exercise, good sleep, managing substance use. If you can put your diabetes into remission without taking any pills, there is zero doubt that that is going to lead to a much healthier, longer, happier life than using pills to put your diabetes into remission. And I strongly feel and believe, and I think the evidence overwhelmingly supports it, the same can be said for mental health. If you can put your mental health condition into full and complete remission without the use of any pills, you are going to be so much better served than by taking a pill to treat your mental health condition. Now that doesn't mean that everybody can do it. It doesn't mean that keto is a miracle cure for every human being on the planet, because I don't think it is, and I really don't, but it is a powerful intervention. And there are many other powerful interventions that might also play a role. And I do think the majority of people, maybe not hundred percent, but I think more than 50% of people can put their mental disorders into remission and live happily ever after. Now, this doesn't necessarily include neurodevelopmental disorders. So you mentioned, right. autism. You mentioned yeah. autism. And autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder that likely occurs because of metabolic problems during mm -hmm. neurodevelopment. Mm -hmm. But once the brain goes through neurodevelopment, we don't have the opportunity to go back in time and redo it. Right. And, um, and that doesn't mean that people with autism can't benefit from a ketogenic diet. You just gave a perfect example in terms of seizures and, mm -hmm. and other complicating disorders. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, but a keto diet is not necessarily going to completely erase autism right. and give somebody social skills that they right. never really had before. Um, and, and so I think it's important that we kind of 
acknowledge that and acknowledge that there are people who had neurodevelopmental problems, whether mm -hmm. it's autism or a learning disability or something else, that keto diet's not necessarily going to magically fix those things. But, um, but I think we can even in people who are not neurotypical, that we can optimize their health, we can optimize yep. their brain function, optimize their physical health, and allow them to be the happiest, healthy people possible. And um, so, yeah. I agree. And, you know, what my daughter has expressed is that when she is keto, she feels like her brain is calmer. You know, that's, those are her words that, that she doesn't feel like it's uh, on fire as she has expressed that it, it feels calmer and that she can just handle life a lot better. She's a lot more resilient to things. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's a cure-all. I don't think it can cure these specific things, but I think it can be very helpful and very powerful for people. And like we've discussed, uh, because I know the people are just so afraid, oh, if I do this, I have to do it forever. Not necessarily, you know, not necessarily. I think it's a, it's something that you can use intermittently, you know, maybe be a bit more strict in the beginning, but then use it as you need it. And like I said, I haven't had a relapse of depression, anxiety, any of those things. Um, it's been quite nice. So we'll see, see how the postpartum period goes, <laughs> but at least I feel like I have some good tools in the tool belt here to, to kind of get me through that period for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I wish you, uh, I wish you well thank with your you. new arrival and, yes, uh, thank you. and in your postpartum period, but I think you're right. I think if things, if things start to get more difficult because of the hormonal shifts or other things, yep. you, you do have a lot of tools in your tool belt. And, exactly. uh, and I think there's a very good chance they will work. Yep. I think so too. Well, I feel like we're, we've just talked about so many amazing things that you've mentioned that a book and this podcast will be coming out around the same time as your book. So can you tell us a little bit more about the book and, um, you know, how people might be able to get that book as well? Absolutely. So the, the book is called brain energy and, uh, it's, uh, it's available anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you can get it online. You can hopefully, uh, by November 15th, it might be in some local bookstores as well. Ooh. But um, so uh, Brain Energy, two websites I want to mention. You can just go to my homepage, which is chrispalmermd.com. So chrispalmermd, all one word, .com. Or uh, on November 15th, I will have a new website focused on brain energy. So brainenergy.com. And I, in addition to giving people a lot of scientific information, I want to revolutionize the mental health field because mm. way too many people are just like you, trying pill after pill after pill, not getting better, not being given accurate information, not being given hope. And so I want to make sure those people get accurate information and, and give at least are given the opportunity to change their lives and improve them. I love that. And I'm excited to share this podcast and then obviously the link to the book and just to keep spreading the word. I encourage anybody who's listening to this, that either if you're struggling or you have a close one, or maybe, you know, a, a doctor, a psychiatrist, somebody who's in this mental health field to really, really spread the message of what Dr. Palmer is doing, his book, his work, so that we can help more people, you know, because it is, it does suck to have, I remember my purse at one point, I'm like, there's like eight pills in here. I'm taking at different times of the day. And it, I wasn't feeling like it was really getting me anywhere. I felt like I was just running a pharmacy out of my purse. And there's so many people in that boat and it's not a, it's not a fun place to be. And so just here on the other side of that, eight years later, want to tell people anecdotally there, there is hope for you. And, and I'm just so grateful for your work, Dr. Palmer, that you can actually put some science behind my, my experience here. So thank you. Yeah, no, and thank you for sharing your story and for all the work you're doing to help people 
uh, improve their health through these techniques. Well, thank you. And I'll make sure to link your book and all of those websites in the show notes so everyone can find you. And, and thank you so much for being here today. Thanks. All right. I really, really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I know I've asked you like a hundred times already, <laughs> but if you could please share this episode out with a friend or family member who needs to hear it, text, email, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you can share this out. And if you get a moment, please leave me a review over on Apple or Spotify. It will also help the episode to reach more and more people. Thank you again for listening to the show. And I just want to thank the sponsors very quickly, Upgraded Formulas. That is an amazing way to find out if you have mineral imbalances that could be causing things from a lowered immune system all the way to mental health issues. You can use my code YOGI12 or YOGI to save at Upgraded Formulas. Also want to thank Optimal Carnivore. Code Carnivore, uppercase Y, will save you on their brain nourish, on their organ meat supplement, as well as their liver. Those links are all down in the show notes for everything that I mention. And then the last one, Viva Rays. If you want to protect your circadian health, especially in the winter time, the circadian glasses are going to be the way to really support your circadian health. Use my code YOGI to save 15% over at Viva Rays. And again, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure you check out Dr. Palmer's book linked down there in the show notes. And I look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Have a wonderful day.